when I moved on, I moved on. And so it wasn't really part of my story. When you talk about origin story, it definitely is part of your origin story or mine, but I, I don't focus on it or fixate on it because I'm, I'm really focused on what I'm doing today. I'm really focused on what I'm delivering to the, the world right now. Welcome back to the show. Today, my guest is Jeff Smith. Jeff is a U.S. Army Ranger veteran. He's a business owner and real estate investor and performance coach. Jeff has built a personal portfolio of over 40 properties in the last three years and serves as a general partner on another 27 unit apartments. Jeff has coached hundreds of entrepreneurs and leaders in business throughout the last six years of consulting, and he runs two high-level mastermind groups focused on maximizing performance in life and business while generating legacy wealth through investing. I met Jeff through the my mastermind group at Two Brain Business, as that's one of the groups that he leads. And I was immediately impressed with Jeff's ability to not only lead the group, but lead by example. And Jeff is somebody that is true to his word and is incredibly passionate about the things that he says that he's passionate about. And for me, that authenticity really struck a chord and made me want to listen more. Um, I applaud Jeff for all of his efforts in everything that he's done to help me and other gym owners. And I know that his skills are far more expansive than just helping us. Jeff and I talk a lot about what it means to be successful in the home and the family unit, as well as in your community. We had such a great conversation in this podcast. Enjoy. Hey everyone, real quick before we dive into the episode, you probably heard about this podcast directly from someone else or saw it shared on social media. We can only grow, spread our message further, and keep bringing in awesome and amazing guests with your help. If you could take five seconds and hop on whatever podcast platform you're using and leave us a review, it would mean the world to us. On to the show. Jeff Smith, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm excited to be I'm, here. <laughs> very excited to have you. Uh, how's your morning been? Oh, man. Amazing. Same thing every morning. Same thing every Same morning. Same thing every morning. What does a morning routine look like for Jeff Smith? Oh, man. I wake up. Uh, I make coffee. I write in a notebook. And then uh, I generally read. And then I hop on social media and try to make my morning post if I'm still feeling creative, but otherwise, uh, it, it depends. And, Has writing uh, and reading been part of your uh, routine in the mornings for quite a while? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, for a long time, definitely. Um, if I don't do it, there's a noticeable difference. So I, I try to stick to it every day. Um, obviously with four kids under 10 years old, it, it gets thrown off occasionally. And, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, yeah. So flexible. when you, when you sit down to write, are you somebody that likes prompts or do you just like to, to let it flow freehand? I just let it, I, I just let it flow, man. I, I find whatever I'm writing about during the time that I write the date at the top of the page. So. Nice. Well, if you've been doing that for a while, I'm sure you have a, a ton of material. Yeah. 
yeah, it's, it's interesting some, where, where my head goes occasionally. So I've been studying a lot about quantum physics recently and like understanding the, uh, the science behind what we're all doing here. Or, or trying to. I, I certainly don't understand it. <laughs> I was going to say, please enlighten <laughs> us. This will be the most popular podcast that has ever existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I'm just a, a speck of matter here on this earth trying to figure things out just like everybody else. Uh, yeah, amen to that. Well, hey, let's let's talk about the origin story to that speck of matter a little bit. So, uh, you have a background as a veteran in the U.S. Army. You were in special operations as a ranger, and you also worked in a Fortune 50 company. And while I'm sure the skill sets that were needed to be able to um, do both of those jobs were very different in many ways, there was probably a leadership quality that was somewhat similar uh, within the two. Um, you know, can you speak to how those experiences have kind of uh, positioned you to be where you are today? Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I've always been a leader. Um, I grew up playing sports, all of them, all sports. And I was always a leader on my teams. And so that kind of leadership quality just comes naturally to me. And uh, yeah, and, and I left, I, I went into, played college football for a minute, went into the workforce after that, after got injured kind of washed out of college a little bit, um, ended up leaving school, went to work for the Fortune 50 company when I was 19. And uh, so that's how I got so many years of service. Then uh, kind of toiled in that world for a period of time. Uh, then 9-11 happened. And that was that was what prompted me to head into the military. Uh, when I was coming out of high school, it was a decision between the military and going to play football at the time. And so I chose football at that time. And uh, then the 9-11 kind of stoked that fire again and brought it back. And so I was 21 years old at the time and uh, ended up enlisting in the military. Uh, it was an interesting time because I was able to accrue my service with the company while I was in the military, even though I was fully full-time in the military, which was weird and unique. No one had any HR policies for uh, situations like that at the time. Um, but yeah, man, it, it, it's definitely different skill sets for sure. But, um, it, I, I've always just been a person that wants to do things kind of outside the box. I wanted, I want to do, and, and when I went into the military, they, I, I wanted a contract for the 75th Ranger Regiment and to at least give me the opportunity to get there. Cause there's a lot of steps in between. Um, you've got to qualify at every level and there's, there's attrition and washout. I mean, to the point where the, the final stage of what I did, um, I had to go through RIP, which was Ranger indoctrination program. I went through it twice in a row, uh, for, <laughs> there's a funny story behind that. But, uh, the, the second time I did it, I ended up being <laughs> soldier of the cycle. And, uh, so number one in my class. And when we did that, it's, it's a 21 day period of time, 88 people started it and 11 finished. Um, and so I did that twice and finished both times. And, uh, <laughs> so the, uh, but I mean, ultimately the reason that I did that was because I wanted to, if I was going to go in the military, I knew we were going to war. I wanted to be in with an elite team. So I wanted to qualify to to be in special operations because I wanted to be surrounded by 
a group of people that were that talented and that driven and that focused. And I think that overlays in everything I've done in my life besides like general malaise and certain periods of time when I lose focus and lose my way. So, yeah, no, I mean, you know, you see guys like Jocko constantly talking about the kind of the pressure that you're put under in those situations and, and how that can create a leader out of some people. Um, because if you can learn to operate under that kind of pressure, uh, then everything else feels rather trivial. Um, would you say that you, you took that as a lesson or what are some of the lessons you took from your time in the military? Absolutely. And there's no question. I mean, you could ask my wife and she would attest to that. I mean, I, I had certainly the, the good qualities that came from it are the, the fact that I can definitely operate in chaos um, very, very calmly and very like things don't rattle me as far as like everyday situations. Um, I've always been the type of person that puts myself in in situations um, to, to help people to, I mean, we had a devastating hurricane here a few years ago and I was out on boats in the water, pulling people out of their houses and getting people to safety. So, I mean, like, that's just always the type of person that I've been, uh, but the military definitely pre- <laughs> prepares you for that and galvanizes you for that. I think it puts together a collective group of people who have, similar values and a similar mindset. We all come from different backgrounds. So it's weird to put the the group together. Um, like it's a hodgepodge of people from all over the world with different viewpoints, different backgrounds. So, so it's a very interesting training environment, but it's a melting pot of people that collectively have a singular focus and a singular goal at the end. Well, yeah, if you ever want to learn how to play well with others, right, being forced to be a teammate with, with a group of people that you have no say over who they are, what they're like, what their behaviors are, and like, oh, by the way, now you got to get along and do these like super high pressure tasks. Like that's that's got to be a very, um, you know, transformative type of experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it carries over well to the civilian world. And I think that veterans get a bad rap for the most part. And, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that there's a lot of influencers, if you will, and things like that, that represent the veteran community as a, as a victim culture. And I don't think that that's accurate at all. Um, so, so guys like Jocko out there doing things and amplifying the message. Um, I, I think the reason that that's misconstrued is because the guys that talk about their service all the time and amplify that area of their life are still stuck in the past. I think the most successful high achievers among us are forward focused. And so when we leave that life behind, we're only focused about the life in front of us. So like a lot of times, I mean, I, I haven't talked about my, my experiences in the military up until like recently because I knew that it will help other people. But for me, as when I moved on, I moved on. And so it wasn't really part of my story. When you talk about origin story, it definitely is part of your origin story or mine, but I, I don't focus on it or fixate on it. Cause I'm, I'm really focused on what I'm doing today. I'm really focused on what I'm delivering to the, the world right now. Yeah. Well, one of the easiest ways to distract yourself is to purchase over 40 properties in real estate. <laughs> so how did you get a, go about getting involved in that after the military? 
Um, I, I grew up, I, I would say I saw my family kind of flip houses. We, we house hacked for a period of time, very poorly. Um, I would say, and, uh, we, when my dad was around, my dad w- was around until I was eight or nine years old. And, uh, during that period of time, we would move into houses, we would renovate them and then we would move again. Um, and so for profit, presumably I never saw the the bottom lines on those. So like I've been in real estate forever, I think like innately. Um, when I got out of the military though, uh, I bought a seven unit apartment complex when I was 26 years old. And that was kind of my first like foray into, into the real estate world. And then, um, I ended up owning another rental and a couple more rentals in Illinois, um, which is where that apartment complex was located. Um, and then we moved in 2008 down to Houston and I, uh, I continued to own those properties out of state for another five years. And I sold them in 2013. I was out of the real estate game from 2013 to 2018. Then I dove back in, in 2018 and started buying properties again, because I was like, okay, I, I was real focused on my gym, getting my gym going. And, uh, <clears throat> so I didn't want the distraction of real estate until the gym was kind of going and cranking. And then, um, 2018, we made the decision as family to go back into investing in real estate and kind of never really looked back. I bought 40 properties in two years. And then, um, I'm also syndicated on another 27 properties down in Corpus Christi as well. I'm a general partner in that deal. So about $10 million of real estate we've accumulated in a three-year period. And so like that creates some cracks in the foundation. So you've got to go back and make sure your systems can uh, support that type of thing. And uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. I'm yeah, selling I was going to say the, the cracks in the foundation probably isn't uh, all – you know, metaphorical or symbolic in this case, like I'm sure you've dealt with some actual uh, issues with some of these properties. Uh, what are some of the, the biggest things you've had to navigate? Oh, man, we've seen it all. We, <laughs> I mean, it, from tenant situations, we had an ice storm um, two years ago that had I had 29 properties with burst pipes. So like, we're not, we're not built down in Texas, South Texas for any freezing. And so when, when things freeze, it, it damages the structural integrity of the, the properties. And so you have to go in, you have to repipe, you have to do all the repairs, everything else. I mean, that, that particular storm cost me $150,000 in cash. And so, um, I mean, that was the biggest issue we've dealt with as far as, uh, property issues. But I mean, we had another situation recently where like the city sent us a letter and said they were going to bulldoze one of the houses we own. And it was fine. It was, it was a mistake. They were actually going to bulldoze the house next door. And so they, (laughs) they were going to tear down a property that we own that was perfect. It was waiting to be rehabbed, uh, but there was nothing wrong with it. And so Uh, I was going to say, I'm wondering what would have been a better outcome. Like had they bulldozed it, Right. And the lawsuit that would come out of that. Well, I've talked to a bunch of people that they've actually done it to, and they only give you lot value for it. So I went oh, wow. with uh, a piece of dirt that wasn't worth nearly what it's worth. Yeah, that would be awful. <laughs> that would be awful. 
So I personally know you as the leader of our mastermind group, um, the Tinker Program, as part of Two Brain. Um, but you are also the leader of another mastermind group, and you've been involved with helping entrepreneurs, um, hundreds, in fact, uh, for quite some time now. What is it for you that lights you up in helping business owners? Yeah, I'm I'm really passionate about helping business owners and kind of like men specifically, but but all business owners for sure. Um, I I spend a lot of time like figuring shit out in my 30s and uh, making like all the mistakes, um, being settled into like moderation with regards to my life and how I was like going through the motions. And uh, for me, I'm just really trying to help people fast track that compress time, not go through all the same things, um, really live a vibrant life because <clears throat> as entrepreneurs, we get really singularly focused on, on our craft because it's important, right? Cause like, if this doesn't work out, what the fuck am I going to do? Like it is, is kind of what you, what you think about. And oftentimes you can leave all the other aspects of your life behind. And so, like what I'm really focused on is just living a well-rounded life. I'm focused on being leaders ultimately in your household, in your community and, and amplifying that message out further. Um, but taking care of yourself, ultimately uh, prioritizing yourself over your business so that you can serve others and um, serve your family. Well, be a great husband, be a great father. Uh, we, we've obviously got some, a lot of issues going on in the world right now. And uh, I think, I think, strong husbands and strong fathers or what can kind of fix that entrepreneurs ultimately will fix the problem, whatever comes in the next 10 years or whatever, it's going to be solved by business owners. And, and that's why I think it's so important to be a support system for them, help them make a lot of money, help them be successful in business um, while focusing on the other aspects of their life to make sure that they're living a fulfilling life. Mortality is a huge deal to me. Uh, we're not here very long and you can't overlook those areas it, regardless of how successful you are in business. It, you're, you're defined by the, the lineage that you live, leave behind and the legacy that you leave behind. And, and some people don't think about that on a macro level. It, it's a big, it's a big thing to come to terms with and spend time thinking about, but, but ultimately it's, it's very important. And so I'm just here to kind of be a sounding board for everybody as far as like where they're going. And I'm, I'm talented at identifying patterns and like being able to guide people. And so for me, I, it, it's very fulfilling. I, I also think that financial education is one of my strong suits. Um, I came from the world of uh, finances. And so for me to teach people like unconventional methods to provide them financial freedom is one of the tenets of every group I really provide information for. Yeah. So a few weeks ago I had a physical therapist on and, and he was, we were talking about how when you're dealing with persistent physical pain, that it makes your world very small. And I think for business owners, there's a psychological pain that comes from the feeling of failure or the feeling of not being good enough or the feeling of not succeeding yet. And it makes your world very small. And I think that one of the things that two brain and, and even more so tinker has done for me and a lot of other gym owners or business owners for that matter, is that it, it expands your scope of what's possible, right? Within your reality. 
because if you are under the pain in the guise of like having to deal with the day to day and nothing else, it's really hard to kind of expand your mind. Um, do you think that you guys play a huge role in that for business owners? Well, I mean, I don't know that I play a huge role in it. I think you become <laughs> very myopic. And like what I talk about in the Tinker Group to you guys is that like you get very singularly focused and isolated in the business world. And so what you do is you generate a level of success that makes you happy and it provides a certain lifestyle for your family. And if you're a high achiever, high performer, like at that point, you can slip into like this level of mediocrity and it's dangerous because if you're not growing, you're dying, blah, blah, blah. Like that's when you see people really screw up other areas of their life. They get divorced. They, they have their kids hate them, whatever. Like they pick up vices because they're comfortable and that level of comfort, a lot of other problems can kick off from that level of comfort. And so, um, I, I think it's it's important to get in these groups and always be seeking um, because there is other levels. There's other levels far beyond anything I've ever done. Anything I've ever seen, I'm confident of it. And so you, you have to continue to keep pushing so that you can expand in all these different areas of your life. Like, I mean, we didn't know how to make money certain ways until we got in different rooms, right? You're taught conventional ways of making money, investing, doing things like that. I mean, that's just the easiest example for me to use, but there's, there's other levels of thought process. There's other levels of like maintaining yourself, taking care of yourself. Um, so I, I think it's important to surround yourself with people who are, either on the same journey with you because it makes it a collective group of people that understand you. You don't have to explain it. It's kind of like the military. When you talk about it, everybody shows up in that room for the tinker groups and you don't know each other. Everybody's from different backgrounds. Everybody's from different parts of the country has different experiences, but collectively everybody knows that everybody's been through some shit. Right. And so like that's where it brings this bonding feeling or it, it it brings this bonding energy to the room because everybody's clear that everybody there has kind of been through it to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say that, you know, one of the things I love about what you just mentioned was that it's not just about growing for you and growing for your business, but it's making sure that you're locking down all the other things in your life. You guys put a big emphasis and it's, it's something commonly talked about in the group, which is that being able to dedicate yourself to your family in ways that you want to be able to, to serve like, and, and be able to, to, um, provide in the way that you need to, not just financially, but in the way of being there and being the father and the husband that you want to be is a huge part of the conversation in, inside of these groups. And I, I love that. Cause I think it's something that kind of gets forgotten sometimes, you know, people get so fixated on success and uh, you know, they get their head in the clouds and they think like, okay, well I'm going to focus on this goal, uh, at the, the trade-off of everything else, right? Like I'm like everything else is, is secondary. Um, and I, I think that the, the family unit is something that gets talked about quite often. Yeah. And I think that's kind of when I go back to what I'm talking about between my thirties and forties, like you, you ultimately lose sight of what you want 
as you go through the business building process. Um, it, it, or it, it's easy to happen, right? Because you get singularly focused on your target, which is growing your business, grow, grow, grow. And then you, through that process, you can lose yourself. And so like, that's why the most important question you can ask any entrepreneur is like, ultimately, what do you want? Most of us go heads down into our business so hard that we have no idea. Like you can pull somebody out of their business seven years into it and be like, man, you're fucking up every area of your life besides this business. And yeah, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Doesn't, I'm doing eight figures. And, uh, but if you, if you can get any distance and space from them, you, you can go into that question of what do you truly want? And they won't be able to tell you, or it will be very, very heartbreaking to them when they do figure it out. Like oftentimes we, <clears throat> you talk about vices in the high performing community. Everybody's got them, right? A lot of times work becomes our vice because it's what we know. It's what we're talented at. So we'll go like there, there's a common saying that work, your business becomes your mistress, right? So you, you talk about these failed marriages that happen while you're building businesses and things like that. And oftentimes your business becomes your mistress, right? So you're on your cell phone, you're taking sales calls, you're texting back and forth, like with leads at eight o'clock at night, right? Your wife's looking at you like, what's going on? What are you doing? And it's, it can become a hole that you can't dig yourself out of. And so for the, the tinker group, like you guys have reached a level of success, right? We're, we built our business foundation to the point where it's time to ask that question. Okay. Like it, it's, it's not enough because it's it, like, that's not what I'm saying, but like you have to pull yourself out and separate yourself from the business enough to answer that question. Like, okay, what do you want? Okay. Well, I want to build this. Uh, I want to take this business to 20 locations. Great. Like, or I want to build this business so that it's got an operator in place with a team underneath of it. And I'm just CEO. I go to a meeting a week and then I coach my staff virtually. And I spend all my time traveling around with my kids because they're young and that's the season of life I'm in. Okay, great. Like that, the misconception is that there's one way to do it. And that's not the answer. The answer is what do you want? Yeah. And that's the hardest question to answer, you know? Absolutely. Just, yeah. 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 No, I, I think that that question, I think it was James Clear uh, said in one of his um, his like uh, newsletters, he said every morning he writes, what do I actually want on the top of a piece of paper and just sits there and writes. And that's his prompt, you know, and yep. I, I love that because it is it's such a hard question to answer. And that's another thing, though, that everybody thinks that it's it's a static answer and it's not it's not. I mean, I try to explain that to people all the time. My kids are a certain age right now, so I'm in a certain season of life. It will not be the season of life I'm in in five years or 10 years. Like <clears throat> I, I make choices now based on like time freedom, stuff like that. And I, I think I'll probably always make choices based on time freedom. But like I, I think I am very deliberate about choosing physically where I'm located, how much I have to travel, all that stuff right now, because I want to be around my kids while they're young. Cause that's such a short period of time. Yeah. Now, speaking right. of time, one of the things you mentioned was that you're trying to help people get over some of these mistakes that you made in your thirties, um, by the way of kind of 
pushing past them and, and as part of pushing past them, being able to move at a velocity that they may not even believe that they can. This is something you speak about quite often. Why is velocity such like a core tenet for you? Just because I think people spend way too much time thinking about things like what you believe is possible and the timeline that you believe it takes to get there is not accurate at all. Cause I've seen it in my life so many times, like it, ultimately the mastermind that you're in the two brain tinker program, like the conceptually part of the reason that I created it and what I wanted to achieve with it was what are your three year goals? I'm going to compress those down into 12 months and you're going to have all that in 12 months. Um, <clears throat> Cause a lot of times just the same question is like, what do you want? Like you could ask yourself right now, go write down 10 things that you want to achieve in your life in the next three years. Like three of them, I guarantee you could look at circle right now and say, why am I, why, why am I not doing that right now? Like right now, like tomorrow we could go do that. That's a daunting like, oh, task. Yeah. Oftentimes people are like, Oh my God, I want to take this vacation. I want to do this. I want to go hike in Aspen or whatever for five days. And, and we put things off because we have this perception of how important we are, how vital we are, like how everything will go to shit if we leave. But ultimately at the end of the day, it's really just head trash that's interfering with that stuff. You're, you're making yourself out to be more important than you truly are, or you're, you're building up false impediments that aren't accurate. Like you've got the money to do it. You've got the time to do it. Like you're never going to get your daughter's three-year-old February 18th or 20th or whatever it is right now back, right? That's never going to happen again. So it, it's ego standing in our way of a lot of our hopes and dreams. And, and so what we can do is we can strip that down and say, you're the only one interfering with you having that right fucking now. So just go get it right now. And, and, and find yourself like taking stock in how good you feel when you receive those things. Like, Oh, I could have had this all along. So then it makes you re it makes you question everything. Cause like, you're like, Oh shit, I could have done that five years ago. Like, why am I not doing this? And why am I not living the life that I want today and every day from here on out? And then it, and then it starts this snowball process where you're like, Holy fuck, I can have everything I want right now. And then I can create around it. And like, that's what people don't understand because like, just like you put all your money in a 401k and go to work and sit in a cubicle and fucking go to college and do whatever your mom told you or your dad told you. And like, we have these conventional norms that we're boxed in by. And what you find when you get into some of these groups and you get a little more enlightened is like, none of it's actually accurate. None of it's true. Everything you've been taught growing up is none of it's true. Like question everything. And, and that's where I'm at on my journey. And like, so I, I try to try to bring that up to everybody so that they understand it and they can, they can reach these goals faster than I did. They can have 10 more years of amazing living than I did because I was toiling and stuck in all these old stories. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what makes self-limiting beliefs so difficult is that they were instilled in us when we were kids. And, and this was just, we onboarded somebody else's self-limiting beliefs without knowing any better.
You know, yeah. you have a bunch of adults running around telling you this is how you should see the world. And then, oh, good luck. Go out into it. Right. And now you're this 16 to 19 year old kid experiencing the world for the first time. And like you don't realize that your lens. Right. This this kind of paradigm that you see the world through has been cultivated by the way of other people's limiting beliefs. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And it's worse with fi- it's it. It, the financial side of things is is the worst side of things. That's why I impress financial freedom on everybody because I think money's a tool and money just gives you options. And and the more money you have, the more freedom you can buy yourself and your loved ones. And so for me, it's it's vitally important piece of the puzzle. Um, and and you're you're exactly right with conventional wisdom right it it's the same type of thing about like how much money do you need for financial freedom right like it, it, maybe you need the x amount of money living in Houston Texas but like if you're willing to move to Cambodia you you might need $20 <laughs> a day right i can't see so, jeff smith moving to cambodia <laughs> no i'm not moving anywhere right now besides the woods um but <laughs> But I mean, like, and, and that's, but that's a journey for each individual to go on. And, and I truly think that the conventional system that is built around us and the education system and everything else is built to enslave you. I mean, there's no, there's no better way to say it. I, I think you get a taste of like freedom when you step out into the entrepreneurial world or like commission-based sales, you, you understand like the world is not like a fixed world. It's not a static situation when you get out and you do things like that, like commission-based sales or like running a business or starting a business because you understand that like you are the creator. And so what it does is it creates this freeing feeling like, oh, it's up to me. Failure's okay. And once you get over all the different like limiting beliefs that you have in business and creation and money, you realize that it, it it's truly exponential. Like you can create whatever you want. And would your you say life that is like, the same way. Yeah, I was gonna say, would you say that that's kind of like when you teeter over the threshold into like abundance, where you start to understand that, that the world is much larger and there's much more opportunity available uh, than one might think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 100%. And then you get stuck. You realize how silly you were to tell yourself stories about like money was the number one thing because ultimately time is the number one thing. Time is all that matters. That's it. So the faster you can figure this shit out, God, I wish I knew this when I was 14. Like what could I have done with the next hundred years? Like that's, that's ultimately the trick that everyone needs to figure out. I talk about finances, 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 but finances are just to buy you space to answer these fucking questions, man. (laughs) What are, what are some of the self-limiting beliefs that Jeff had to get over in his twenties and thirties? Uh, mine was really built on like self-worth and my value of myself. Other people saw a lot of potential in me and from like my childhood and everything that I went through, like I, I had, I just really negative viewpoint of myself. And like, I was the person that didn't believe that I was capable in doing this stuff, I think. Um, so a lot of that, a, a lot of, a lot of trauma that I went through that I, that I masked with different vices, um, throughout time. And so, 
I, I mean, I just had to really go deep on myself and, and work through my own issues that I avoided forever. And so, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I took the typical route. I, I went back to work. I had like six months to, to go back to the corporate world after I transitioned out of the military. And I, I think I went back in like six days and hopped back into the corporate world and spent the next five, seven years, like really just in a dark place, um, with the khakis and polo and, uh, <laughs> welcoming oh, looking like Jake, my, Jake from State Farm. Yeah, I was. I was Jake from State Farm. I really needed to go like do ayahuasca and hike the Himalayas for six months, but like that, that would have compressed my time and my journey, certainly. Um, but instead I went straight back into the, the conventional norms of what I should be doing and, and tried to mask all of the shit that I'd been through and everything else. So, yeah, let's talk about that, that, the hiking, uh, and uh, adventures. So, I mean, you've been someone that you've owned a gym. You've obviously uh, being in the military and, and someone being involved with, with gym owners. Like you've been someone that's focused on fitness your whole life. What does fitness look like for you now? Oh man, it's, it's really just, it takes shape in any way it wants to is <laughs> the best way to describe it. Um, for me though, I like, I'm, I'm very fixated on being capable like, so I, I'm just a capable fitness guy like that. I've always been that way though. I'm, I'm never, I was a gym rat, I guess, through football and things like that. But like, ultimately, like when I was 12 years old, I was working at a hunting lodge and building, like moving railroad ties and like building shooting lanes for pistol shoots. And so like, I'm just a functional fitness guy. So like when CrossFit came along, it, it spoke to me. Like I picked up CrossFit in like 2004, 2005, because we were doing, they were doing it in special operations. And, uh, so, but it made a lot of sense to me. I'm like, oh, this is, this is great. Kettlebells, farmers carry, like doing shit that actually transfers into like real life. And like, then I found that I didn't really like aspects of CrossFit though. And so I, I morphed it to be what I wanted it to be. So like, I'm, I'm just a, capable fitness guy. I like rucking. I like farmer's carries. I like picking up things that are heavy and ultimately like I'm, I'm not super stringent on what I'm doing. I'm doing pull-ups and body weight exercises. Um, just similar to stuff you would do like to prepare to be a capable human being. Should you be presented with a, a threat, if you will, yeah, so you're not the guy that's got a, a 32 week mesocycle, <laughs> got no. all your sets and reps planned out, but you're someone that moves fairly frequently. Every day, every day. I yeah. love it. I, I I do fitness every day. Um, I mean, that's part of my my streaks, and uh, like I'm a huge believer in streaks. If you're not tracking your habits and pulling the data from it, like you're not going to really make change or impact your life in a in a meaningful way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do fitness in some capacity every day. I prefer to be outside. So like one of the things about moving to Houston, we stay here because it's warm all year. I can be outside all year. And, and I am out, we moved to a house that's a block and a half from, uh, <clears throat> a continuous jogging trail. That's like 160 miles long. So I'm out on it every single day. That's amazing. So what other streaks are you focused on this time? Uh, 
I'll tell you right now. Um, I work out. I, I've got two workouts a day. One is for like cardio outdoor workout. And then one is for lifting weights that I track. I post on Facebook every day. I post in my Facebook groups every day. I'm tracking how many days I'm having zero alcohol. Um, mobility, 10 minutes. Dating my wife once a week minimum is on streaks. Read every day, drink a gallon of water, 10 minutes of visualization, 15 minutes in the sauna, and phone discipline. I am worst about phone discipline. How do you define <laughs> phone discipline? Well, I'm trying to block it in it, based on the guys in the Tinker Group. I took the lead from, the, or I took their lead, and I, I'm trying to do 5:30 to 8:30 at night, zero phones. But I'm also trying to like sell five properties right now, so like <laughs> I'm on my phone like 16 hours a day right now. So. Yeah. Um, so you can't be the guy that buys that like box that locks your phone. You'd be right. breaking it open every, every other night to try to get to it from one of these sales. Exactly. But uh, I've done this for so long that I am, I I've got year over year data on those things so I can see my level of improvement. So when you talk about everybody's like improve 1% every day or whatever, right? Like I actually have the data for like four years of aggregated data of what I'm trying to do to move the needle on those things. And, and it does change my behavior. Like, cause I'll I'm get sure. out there just to, just to challenge myself. I'm like, Oh God, I didn't beat last, last February. Like I need three more days. Yeah. Well, one of the things, you know, and this makes me think about is uh, I always tell our clients, like, focus on the things that you repeat. Because, like, you know, one of the things we hear frequently are people will come to us and be like, what, when I'm at a party and they're having like cake, like, what should I do? I'm like, you should eat the damn cake. Like you're at a party. How often do you go to a party? Right. Unless you're you're 21 years old and you've got parties every weekend. It's not a big deal. Eat the cake. It's like, but what you should focus on is like not eating cinnamon toast crunch every single morning. Like focus on the thing that you repeat, right? For bad or good, you know? And I think what you just highlighted is all of the things you're talking about are obviously good habits that compound on themselves, but the bad habits do the same. Yeah, exactly. Ex exactly. Um, and, and I think people have to be more graceful with themselves because like that's where they end up spiraling and creating this negative series of behaviors. Like you'll try to do something and you'll fail at it and you'll beat yourself up about it. So it will compound to be five times worse than it otherwise should have. Like, cause, cause you're like, Oh, I'm going to eat the cake. God, I'm a fucking piece of shit. I'm so I'm just going to eat McDonald's for the next six weeks straight. And like, then, <laughs> then you put on 15 pounds and like, that's where people don't give themselves the grace to like slam on the brakes. Um, but I mean, discipline is hard, right? Like we're inundated with all these like inputs constantly about doing the wrong thing about being attracted to comfort. Like that's, that's what allowed me to slip down my entire slope of like wasting fucking time in my thirties was I had a good job. I made over six figures. I had a gym that was thriving as well. I was doing both. And for me, financial success was what I was looking for. And so I had a decent amount of money. I wasn't wealthy by any means. I'm certainly not wealthy compared to what I see today. And like, but I was just in neutral. And it allowed me to kind of take my foot off the accelerator. So then what happened was I, I 
abdicated responsibility in all these other areas. Right. I, I mean, like my family wasn't great. I wasn't communicating well. My relationship was shitty with my wife. Like I, I went through these conventional pathways. Like I, I thought my relationship was fine because we were married and whatever. And like it, but, but I could tell it was shitty. It wasn't what I wanted it to be. And like, when we finally snapped out of it was like, I, I was like, I want a level 10 marriage. I want a level 10 business. I want a level 10 relationship with my children. And, and if I was to put it on a scorecard, I was like fours every fucking where. And so like, having that smack you in the face and understand that like you're the only one responsible for all these fours, like everything could be different. Like, so why is it not? And accepting that responsibility and then understanding that it's only your mindset and your disciplines that are leading you to all these fours. And so like, if you truly want to work your way out of it, Cause all you're doing is wasting your life and ultimately your time. And so once you realize all that and come to those harsh realizations and then give yourself the grace to say, well, I didn't know what I didn't know, or I was lazy as fuck, or like it, it's all my fault. Like once you get there and you can accept it, you can move forward. And, and, and it's not an instantaneous fix. You got to fix it day after day after day. And you can't notice it. It's yeah. just like fitness. Well, just like you spoke about that question of what do I actually want, you know, just adjacent to that is the question of why do I actually do these things that I know I shouldn't be doing? Like, and I feel like that question is just as hard to answer, you know, whether it be the drinking or not working out or eating in a way that's not in alignment with the type of person you want to be like, that's a hard look yourself in the mirror type of question to ask. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's scary for a lot of people. It, it's scary for everyone. And, um, and, and then what you realize is that like, you're just doing the best you can, but so is everybody around you. Like you sit, you project all these expectations out on your family, your kids, your wife, like, and, and we're often projecting. And then once you have to realize that it all comes back to self-leadership and, and how you're leading yourself, you can't change any other person, like, cause they're just out doing their thing the best that they possibly can the only way that change happens is you change through leadership and you have to become the example you have to set the standard for everyone around you and until you do that like nothing changes right and then you have to lead with zero expectation like i i feel like i lead you guys that way like i'm just out here doing it and, and you guys are all like, Jeff, show me what to do. And I'm like, I'm fucking showing you, like, <laughs> it, it, but, but you have to, you have to ask yourself these hard questions and then you have to come along on the journey. I can't drag you on the journey. Right. Right. And yeah, so well, like, right. like you, we can, we, you, we have to meet you 51%. You know what I mean? Like we, we have to do the work, like just because you show the way doesn't mean that you're going to just put us in a wagon and drag us behind you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's relationships are the same way. Like my wife talks about relationships all the time. Like it, we, we have this common misconception that relationships are 50, 50 and they're not, they're a hundred, a hundred because I have to show up at my very best and then expect that she's going to come along with me at some point 
but you can't have an expectation that's going to cloud your your experience, if you will. So like when you say 51, I say you've got to come 100. You've got to be the best version of you. And I'm going to go ahead and try to hold the standard and stay up as your leader and, and be 100% myself. And I'm going to run out and I'm going to go get more information, more education, more financial tools, and I'm going to bring them back and I'm going to teach you. And when you're ready to accept them, you're going to keep coming. You're going to keep coming. And at some point, if I don't lead well, you're going to be like, well, Jeff, I, I surpassed you in every aspect of life. And like, I, I'm, I need to go find a different place. Yeah. And that's, well, the, that's the way your home works too. And you have to understand that besides your kids, like they are your kids, they're not going to like outwork you. But like, that's why relationships fail constantly because guys get married and they're like, well, we're married. Like I'm, I'm going to be a fucking asshole and gain 30 pounds and be fat. And, and you see it all the time. Like these people go to get divorced and then they go to the gym. <laughs> they lose 40 pounds and they get hot. And you're like, well, you should have been hot all along, dumbass. No wonder you weren't getting laid. Like, because you're fat and lazy and a piece of shit. Like, that's why she doesn't sleep with you. Like, like so life's really not that difficult once you start, like, detaching these, like, lies. Yeah. And, like, you... I'm, I'm huge on awareness. I beat it into my groups. Like, you have to have more awareness and enlightenment. And, and just be aware of the energy that you're putting out and like what's coming in and then like accept all that responsibility for everything. Yeah. Because if I'm not at my best, how could I expect anyone else to be at their best? Sure. Well, you, you talked about showing up at level 10 as a husband, level 10 as a father, level 10 as a business owner. Like what do those things look like as a father and as a husband for you? I have no fucking idea. I'm on the journey, man. Like, I have no idea. Jeff, come on, man. I'm, I'm trying to get answers here. Like, I mean, I don't know. I hope it's amazing. I hope it's amazing. And like, yeah. but, but it, another thing I would tell you is if I, if I went and asked you and said, let's do a scorecard, where do you think you're at? Like, if you were coming to work with me and, and you told me all these aspects of your life were level 10, I would tell you you're a fucking liar. And like, th there's no way. Like even, even if you get one ten, like, I feel like I'm on a journey, man. I'm like sixes everywhere. And I think I live a pretty great life, but I am, I'm constantly seeking like improvement in these areas. How can I be better? Because I don't think I've even scratched the surface in any area. Like going back to your common misconceptions or your conventional wisdom that you've been taught. Like, I, I don't think we have any idea what our potential is. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, I think wasn't it, um, it was Jeff Bezos that had the thing on his desk where it was like, uh, like today is day one. Yeah. You know, always a day one mentality. So, yeah. so what, I, what I wanted to get into is some of the actual details there though. Like you mentioned that going on dates with your wife has become mm. really important to you. And do you think this is something that's, that's missing in a lot of couples is like, they, 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 they date, they get married, they have kids, and then they kind of let all those other things go to the wayside. Yeah, constantly. They it, it, it's it's another problem with society too. People have children, and then they shift their focus to their children, and they live through their children, and they abdicate the responsibility of their relationship. So, like, and and then they're two vessels going about their business like side by side in this like relationship supposedly that is channeled through their children and it creates tons of problems, right? Like you're the, 
your wife's unhappy with you. So she just focuses on the kids a hundred percent and pours into them. And, and what that does, I mean, you can study psychology and everything else, but like it, it puts unneeded pressure on the kids. Like that's, that's bad energy, no matter what, even if the wife's showing up happy, there's, there's bad energy flowing there. And so I, I believe a hundred percent that the primary focus in a household needs to be between the husband and the wife, regardless of how many kids you have. Like their relationship has to be top notch because that's what builds the foundation for the kids to feel safe. And like, that's all kids need is safety. And like, so when that relationship is fractured or they're just two ships passing in, in the night, which most relationships are, you're just long-term roommates. Um, like it creates a, an unstable foundation for children because they don't know like when it's going to pop off next or when the erratic behavior is going to be, or like, why don't mom and dad talk to each other on a regular basis? Like that's fucking weird. Like you, like they don't know an example of love. And so they're what, what they're modeling when they go out to the world is, is obviously what we've created over the last 50 years. Yeah. I think it's Jordan Peterson that says like the best thing that you can do for your kids is to demonstrate what love should look like. You know, and like be, be, have a happy, healthy relationship in front of your kids. And that includes conflict resolution, right? And knowing how to, to fight and argue in a way that is constructive, right? Rather than like, let's hide this behind closed doors. Sure, sure. And, and ultimately what they're looking for is those signs of safety, like we talk about, right? Like, oh, okay, mom and dad can actually disagree, but it's not going to burn the house down. And like, it, there is safety in that, like, oh, they can resolve an issue, move forward and still love each other tomorrow or whatever. Right. And like that, that pattern of behavior creates that foundation of safety and it yeah. creates emotional intelligence in your children too, so that they're not Richter scale all over the place. Sure. Just calmer kids which uh, every parent wants like deep down <laughs> they really, <laughs> really want, uh, you know, I found it funny and, and equally wholesome that, you know, I flew down to Austin for the Tinker meetup, uh, in, uh, er the early part of, of January. And, you know, here we are in a room full of 50 other super successful gym owners. And yet what kept coming up in conversation was relationship and at home life and families. And it was like, it was just so eye-opening for me because people were recognizing that that was just such a uh, a huge part of of their lives and what made them feel successful. So although we're there to talk business, family kept coming up in conversation. Well, I mean, if you create an environment where it's okay to talk about it, ultimately that's why we all started our businesses, right? We started our businesses with a higher purpose. Maybe it was to help other clients or whatever, but along the along the journey, you, you've added these people to your life, a, a spouse, kids, things like that. And so it, ultimately you're not getting up at four in the morning to go coach a class, like to, to not serve your family. Right. And so, and, and the other thing that comes into play in a, in a group of entrepreneurs is like, everybody really understands how difficult it is to be in a relationship with an entrepreneur. Cause you're not focused. You like, it's difficult to get your focus as an entrepreneur. It's difficult. We, we are difficult people to be married to. Like, there's no question about it. And, and I, 
if you if you had a room sitting right next to that room full of all of our spouses, that conversation would have been probably more beneficial. And uh, I would be like, certain, hide, certain... hide all chairs, like anything that can become a weapon, <laughs> like remove it from the room. <laughs> Certainly more powerful. There's no question. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that at the end of the day, like it goes back to kind of the different levels that you're reaching, right? The the room that you're talking about, that tinker room, like everybody there is seemingly successful to a certain level, right? And and once you reach that level of like, okay, we can pay the bills, we can take a vacation, we can like, we, we it's it's that breathability. We've got a little bit of space. We've reached a little bit of success. It's not about chasing anymore. Like now, like what is truly important? And and you'll see a lot of times, like they realize that they've left aspects of their life behind. Or, or have not included their husband or wife in on the vision. You know, and I think that's one of the things that got brought up too, is this need to, as a family unit, sit down and talk about what do we actually want and including them in on that conversation. Yeah, that that is directly from my background because like, that's what I didn't do. I operated in silos, like there was business and then my home life and my wife wasn't really involved in the decision-making process from any of it. And what it did is it created distance between us like for years and like, so there's a lot of lessons learned there through like we've been married 13 years, 12, 13 years, something like that. Um, probably more than most of you guys in the group. So like the thing I like to say is like, I'm usually like five years ahead of you guys. I've done all the shit you've done. So I want you to clean up the mistakes a little quicker and, uh, and, and make sure that you come out on the other side with all your relationship intact and everything else. Fortunately I did, but we, I mean, like, I, I think that's super important. Like, those areas of entrepreneurship are all parts of you too. Cause we are, we are holistically our brand, our business, like, and, and you have to understand that. Like the, the biggest mistake I made, I think in, in life was I came out of the corporate world. And when I started my businesses in like the 2010 ish, 2009, like I tried to, run my businesses as an entrepreneur, like that corporate model that I had learned and grown up, which was like, check in, check out at four o'clock, you're a whole new person outside of work, you're this person inside of work. And like, that was the model that I grew up in. Like, that's what I knew. And you, <clears throat> that's not business today. And it can't be. And, and as an entrepreneur, you have to understand that all of this stuff is it's, it's facets of you. And so when we were able to really kind of accelerate our life into being this life that we really wanted and engineered for ourselves and designed exactly the way we wanted was when we accepted that like all these things I do are all parts of me. And so like, we need to integrate all of this shit, like all these businesses I own, all of these groups I run, all of my, my family, my kids, my wife, like it all needs to come together instead of being like, I do this from nine to five. And then outside of five, five to nine, I'm a husband and a father. Like, no, like we went backwards and like broke everything down and then built everything back up, but integrated everything. 
Well, I'm sure that helps you in your decision making when you're looking to buy a new property, start a new business, get in, get started with a new venture. You probably run it through the filter of like, how is this going to affect everything else in my life, especially my family? Yep. Yep. hundred percent. One hundred percent. And like, so I say no to stuff constantly that that deviates from like what I want to do. I mean, we RV last year, we RV'd all over the year before that we were RVing like seven months. And so like when I, when I talk about like having fixed location and fixed schedules, like I, I don't really accept opportunities like that. And, and it's because of my kids, we homeschool our kids. Like there's four of them. They're around all the time. We have to teach them lessons. And like my wife does the majority of everything. So I'm not stealing thunder by any means. I do. <laughs> She's a saint and, and takes care of everything. She does far more than I do. Um, but from a commitment standpoint, time commitment, location commitment, travel commitment, like I, I do run all those things through the filter of like, what, what will this take away from my family? And will I miss date night? like stuff like that. Yeah. Now you still place a high value on traveling. Uh, where, where have you traveled recently? Oh, I haven't traveled very much. I went to Austin uh, with you guys. And then I went to Austin again. Um, I, I led Adam Lyons mastermind. Adam oh, nice. came in and spoke on day four. He, he invited me in to reciprocate. And so I had to go back over there and lead a mastermind with him. Um, we're going next week to San Antonio. I've got a mastermind in San Antonio. And then the week after that, I speak in Dallas uh, for a real estate investors conference. And I have two more days. <laughs> I have to throw yeah. it in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. You you threw something out there when I mentioned it the first time, too. The first one got uh, like iced out. They had they had ice in Dallas. And so we we had yeah. to cancel or reschedule. Just, just so, to give uh, everyone context, Jeff was supposed to speak in the Cowboy Stadium, correct? And yes, I was and I that, asked him how much money he would need for to wear an Eagles jersey in the stadium. <laughs> so I was I tried for all Eagles fans tuning in. I tried super hard, but he said it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I'm a fan of no one. So just so you know, I, I, I take no sides on that one. Take no sides, but, but I'll be speaking at Cowboy stadium on March 1st. And so then nice. we're up there March 1st, 2nd, 3rd. We've got some mastermind events Thursday and Friday as well. What's your so, favorite thing to speak on? Leadership, self-leadership, family leadership, community leadership. It's I, like the model that I've built is an amplification there. So like it starts with you, it goes to your household, then your teams and your businesses, and then amplifies out to your community. And once you've, once you've kind of grown yourself into that leader, then you do need to go out and make change in your, in your local community. Yeah. I was going to actually bring that up. Cause that's, you know, you, we talk quite frequently about creating generational wealth for your family, but then you also speak on the need to get involved in your, in your community. You know, what are some of the, the ways you think that uh, the leaders need to kind of step up in that regard? Mm. Oh man, where do we start? Where do we start? I, I think you can only make change as far as you're capable of doing. So like, I mean, it, it ends at your resources, right? So like, how much time do you have? How much money do you have? Can you like, do you want to run for office? Like, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, that's a bigger question than me. Like I'm going to, 
I'm going to impact the people that I'm around on a regular basis. I'm going to impact like that's that's why it's important to me to run these groups, because I see you guys coming up behind me. And I'm like, what if I could give that guy another million dollars or five million dollars or open their eyes that they could have 30 million dollars in 10 years if we do X, Y and Z like for me, that's the way I make impact. And then I'm, I'm building you guys into having the ability to go make impact in your communities. I'm trying to make change in my family. We're part of homeschool communities, stuff like that. Um, I don't think it's, it, the answer is not some profound pathway of, of how you make change. Ultimately, it's us being good people and having good values and morals and representing that in the world, I think, because there's so much, so much that's not good going on. Right. And, and oftentimes those messages are amplified to our children, to people coming up behind us to the point where it's believable. Like, I I mean, the recession is a good example. Like I'm not in a recession. I refuse to be in a recession. So like anybody that's out there believing that they're in a recession, that's their own problem. Like, and, and it's people that are not free thinkers that believe that everything impacts them and that they have no control over anything. And ultimately, like, that's where it starts when I'm talking about self-leadership, like your mindset and how you approach everything is, is where it all starts. And, and if you believe that you are a victim or like that your job or your boss is, is the dictator of your future and your potential, then you're done already. I mean, it's a hard stop at the beginning. Like if you watch the news and you believe that it's doom and gloom everywhere, then like, then it is, I suppose you build your own reality. And, and the more you can do that and set those messages, like it's important. It's very important. Like, I mean, it, Numerous people that are ahead of us or on our level, like that maybe have supercars. This is an example. I'm not a car guy, but like I know a bunch of guys and run around with a bunch of guys that drive supercars. And like the reason that those are so important to people, more important than like how it makes them feel, because oftentimes that's just like a childhood fantasy, right? Like I was a six year old with matchbox cars and I want that. Like my son will probably have supercar because he fucking loves matchbox cars. So I would assume like they're chasing that because they have thought about it since they were six years old. And so when they buy it, it's not necessarily that they're compensating for something. It's just they're like, I've reached this point and I should be there. And the reason I tell this story is because I think it's vitally important for those guys that are winning on that level to do that. And they go out and drive that to the gas station and let other people see that. Let the kids see that. Because what that does is it opens up their eyes to potential as well. Because most of the messages are that you're boxed in, that you're not going to be able to achieve this anymore. Like the American dream is gone. You can't make millions. Like it's all bullshit. A hundred percent bullshit. And so if you can go buy a supercar and drive to the gas station and three kids see it and it changes their way of thinking for the next 15 years as they grow up and what they're desiring to do. And it gives them an inkling of belief that they can go out and be whatever they want to do and pursue their own potential. Then like that's impact. What is the equivalent of a supercar for Jeff Smith? 
what what's the thing you've been thinking about since the time you've been a kid oh man like a 3000 acre ranch there you go we can just do the next tinker meetup at your ranch yeah yeah i'm not there yet man like, well if it's a 3 year goal we'll, i'll talk to you we'll figure out how you can do it in a year okay okay <laughs> i love it i love it i'm in i'm actually uh looking at restructuring some stuff so we can get moved out to the country Nice. I don't think I, I'm not at 3000 acre money yet. My, uh, my personal financial statement doesn't look like that yet. Uh, but it, it, it will in the future for sure. So we may have to move again, but yeah. I'm, uh, in, in the pursuit of growth. I love it. For sure, man. I love it. Well, Hey, I just want to say genuinely thank you for everything that you do for me and all the other gym owners, um, that I'm surrounded with. Um, or around. So you, you've done some amazing things for uh, the Tinker Group. I know you're doing a lot of amazing things for other entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, everything you're, you're preaching about leadership is something that's incredibly needed right now. So thank you for everything that you do. Well, I appreciate you having me, man. It's been a great morning. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Um, tell the audience a little bit more about where they can learn more about you or what you do. Yeah, um, the best way to get a hold of me probably is just Instagram. Like Real Jeff Smith is my handle. Um, you can email me at Jeff at therealjeffsmith.com. Um, I run another mastermind group that's for men that are aspiring to be great husbands, great fathers, and make a shitload of money. Um, like our focus is accountability and then acquiring assets and like using a seven step process to lead you to financial freedom within two to five years. And, um, like ultimately that's, that's my purpose. I want people to be better fathers. I want people to be better husbands. Cause I always haven't been a great husband or a father. And so I, I think the way to change and make change in the world is raise great kids. And if you can't raise great kids, you can impact the kids around you. Um, meaning if you can't have kids, whatever, like, it, like that's, that's not ultimately the impact. Like I thought when, when I had teams in my businesses, I look at those guys like my kids and my family as well. Like I educate them the same way. I bring them up, show them the path to financial freedom for themselves, because I think that ultimately, like, that's what it's all about. Like being good humans to each other is what's important and like amplifying your impact. So sorry. I you know, that was great. I love it. Well, Hey, that's a great way to end it. Jeff, thanks so much again for hopping on. Appreciate you, man. If you feel like the gym is one big, confusing, and intimidating playground, a personalized coach from Hardbat Athletics can work with you remotely to help match your goals to an actionable plan. You'll get workout videos and descriptions and have access to coaching calls to make adjustments when you need them. Let us take the guesswork out of your fitness and nutrition. Visit www.hardbatathletics.com to chat with a coach today.